0: morning's message, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. I'll begin reading at verse 51 and invite you to join along with me. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Note to self, don't put James and John on the outreach committee. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Luke is shifting the tone of his Gospel. The cross is getting closer. Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, not just a destination, but Jerusalem, where Jesus would fulfill His destiny. Luke says He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Other translations I've read said that He steadfastly set out for Jerusalem. This wasn't some casual journey. To resolve to do something is to take stock and knowing what you know to move forward. Jesus' understanding of the Father's will for his life was growing increasingly clear. And he knew that Jerusalem was where the journey would take him. He knew that there would be suffering and death. And he knew that ultimately, ultimately, God's way would prevail. Now we're told that he goes to a Samaritan village, or he sends two disciples, excuse me, to a Samaritan village to, to get things ready for him to come and see them. And the disciples receive a, eh, thanks, but no thanks. An odd response. Until you consider the reality that the Samaritans had been treated poorly by the people of Jesus over the centuries. And if the disciples in making preparations were talking about going to Jerusalem and what that might entail, maybe the Samaritans weren't ready to sign up for that yet but they send the disciples back empty-handed. And James and John take this rebuff and say, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven to judge them? Have you ever known anybody that... (laughs) Held out one hand, in one hand, the grace of a loving God, in <laughs> the other hand, held out fire and brimstone judgment. Jesus is resolutely moving towards Jerusalem. And along the way, he encounters three men asking questions making offers, expressing a desire to follow him. One boldly says, I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus asks another, follow me, and the man makes an excuse. Another says, yeah, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and and take care of business at home. It's interesting that Luke doesn't complete the story for us. We we see the interchange between the three and Jesus, but we don't know the outcomes. Now we can linger there and question their faith and their faithfulness. Some of you, you've heard me talk about my brother Sherman. He's three years younger than I am. Um, we were almost polar opposites and could drive each other crazy. As the younger brother, he knew where my buttons were, and he knew how to push them over and over and over and over again. My resentment of him grew over the years, until finally one day I realized that the things that I really didn't like about Sherman were the things that I knew about myself that I didn't want to own up to. It was a lot easier for me to see it in Him than to recognize it in my own life. I fear that's a tendency for us when we look at this story from the life of Jesus. That it can be easy for us look at these would-be followers of Jesus and judge them for their lack of faithfulness, their lack of strength, their lack of commitment, their unwillingness to give it all up to follow. It's easy to see it in somebody else than it is to see it in our own hearts. The bigger question isn't how did they respond to the call of Jesus. The bigger question to this story is how will we respond when Jesus comes calling. It may be easy to judge the Samaritans for their rejection of Jesus. It may be easy for us to judge the unloving response of James and John. It may be easy for us to question the silence of that first big, bold promiser. It may be easy for us to tisk tisk at the one who wavered when confronted with his world's expectations of what it meant to be a good son. It may be easy for us to judge the man who would use family responsibilities to turn back and forsake the future. Somewhere in a box buried in a storage unit um, is my little collection of religious memorabilia over the years. Uh, In that box I have the four inch wooden cross with the leather necklace that I wore uh, in high school. Somewhere in that box uh, there's um, there's a yellow I found it bumper sticker Um, from Campus Crusade's Nationwide Revival. Any of y'all remember? I found it. Um, In that box, there's the rather obnoxious Witness t-shirt that I I wore way too much when I was in college. And of course, in that box, there's the little rubber WWJD bracelet. Anybody have a WWJD bracelet? Some of us had collections of them, every color depending on how dark the stain of our jeans was that day. (laughs) WWJD became a a popular effort that, that brought the question, what would Jesus do into public conversation? It was a takeoff from a classic religious novel called In His Steps, written by Charles Sheldon. I still think that book is worth reading, or whatever it's worth. Don't mess with the the newer attempt to revise it, just go back and, and read it. In Sheldon's story, there are a series of Christians who are confronted with challenging encounters, and they're called to work out their response through the lens of what would Jesus do in this situation. And so WWJD became a way to try to uh, engage folks in that conversation. But I'm not convinced that Luke's bigger question here is what would Jesus do? Rather, what will I do? What would you do? What will I do when my efforts to do good... Are turned down you feel with me how irritating it is to try to do something nice for somebody and and they tell us to back off you know I I can take that real personal which by the way ought to be an immediate call to examine my motives but that's another conversation for us but what will I do how will I respond when I try to talk to somebody about God's love in Christ and, and they're not interested? What will I do? How will I respond when it's my personal security and safety that's threatened? How will I, re- will I respond to the expectations of others. None of us like that shaking of the head, but too many times we pay inordinate attention to it. How will I respond when my current responsibilities tempt me Take a pass on future opportunities. Will I want to take care of business? Or be about new business? Now, you know, these aren't choices between good and bad. Not necessarily even between right or wrong. And, and you know what, folks? <laughs> That's just the way life is. Very seldom do we encounter a yes or no, a right or wrong, or good or bad decision. You know, probably the one thing I remember from my psychology in class in college, way back in the dark ages, was the professor talking about lab rats and the teammates. Because what the researchers discovered was if they had a tea maze and at one end uh, there was a treat and at the other end uh, there was something unpleasant, well, lo and behold that rat when he came to the tea and looked at the treat and looked at the unpleasant, guess which one the rat chose? But then they shifted things. And at opposite ends of the T, they put the same piece of cheese. And the rat came to the crossbar and looked and looked and looked and didn't know which way to go. So they tried it again and they put something unpleasant on both ends. Same result. Folks, for, for us, you know, the, the choice between good and evil, right and wrong is an easy choice, but that's not where we live. If it were, if it were, we wouldn't have so many migraines. We wouldn't have so many ulcers. We wouldn't have so many sleepless nights. But in matters of faith, our response can have significant, even eternal consequences for us. And for others around us? Will we welcome Jesus when he comes calling? Will we respond to rejection with humility or judgment? Will we be able to trust God to provide what we need when he calls us to go? Will we make it our goal to please him? regardless of the opinions of others? Will we say yes to the call of Christ? Maybe we should take heed of that Native American proverb that before we criticize someone else, we should walk a mile in their moccasins. Even though the Samaritans said no thank you, to this attempt to share Christ? Did Jesus write them off? You or I might have. But no, after the resurrection, when Jesus is speaking to the church, He he says to them, you will be My witnesses. You will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. James and John would have called down fire from heaven to destroy them. Jesus said, you guys are going to go back and be my witnesses. Even in Samaria. Well, James and John... It's interesting to me that Peter's not involved with this. He's usually the one that's, you know, uh, jumping in before he sees what's going on. You know, that kind of response. I don't know if I would have been ready to send James and John out on another assignment. You know, how much supervision are they going to need? But what does Luke tell us? Jesus took them with Him to the next village. He didn't give up on them. He invited them to continue in this journey of faith. Now, I don't read Jesus' response as harsh or critical to these three men but they're honest reminders of the high cost of following him. He didn't reject or condemn any of these men. He left each of the three to write their own story. You ever watch a movie? when the movie's over, you just leave perturbed because they didn't resolve everything? They leave you dangling and wondering, well, how did it turn out? What happened to that character? Here we have Jesus doing the same thing. We don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Hi, Alice. I wish I knew how the story turned out. Because all I'm left with then is not the unresolved nature of the story, but the unresolved nature of what am I going to do. But even that is God's gift for us that we have the opportunity that we have the freedom to make those decisions, and that following Christ Jesus is our call to answer His call. So don't be too hard on yourself. Okay? The call to follow Jesus is not a one-time offer. In fact, the call to follow Jesus is something that we're going to respond to over and over and over again, day after day, even moment after moment. The decision to follow Jesus is not a one-time down the aisle and into the water, the deed-is-done situation. In fact, sometimes I get a little concerned if I ask someone to tell me their faith story And it's not so bad that they start at the beginning, at their commitment to Christ, but that that's where the story ends. Our call to follow Christ is an ongoing call. And each time Jesus calls us forward, and we're tempted to look back, is our time and day of decision. When we allow our worries about the opinions of others, The question, the call of Christ, that's a day of decision for us. When we hold on to the comforts of life and diminish our trust in God, that's decision time for us. When we're tempted to offer judgment instead of grace, that's decision time. When we're offered the grace of God and say no thank you, that too is decision time for us. But you know what? I'm reminded as we read this story that that God is patient. And that God is forgiving. And that God is faithful. And that God is loving. And God is merciful. Merciful. Each day is not only a day of decision, it's a day of responsibility, a day of opportunity, a new day to follow Jesus. May we pray. God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks. For the many ways that you love us. We give you thanks for your patience and forgiveness and mercy and grace. We give you thanks, Lord, that you are a God who forgives. That you are a God of second chances and new beginnings. God, help us to be faithful. To hear your voice, answer your call. Help us with Jesus to follow resolutely, steadfastly, wholeheartedly, for your direction for our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Man's going to lead us in just a moment, and as we do, we, we take opportunity to, to think back to where we've heard God's voice speak. Maybe this morning, maybe sometime earlier this week, but we clearly sense that that, that God's had something to say. And He's calling us to response. If if we, folks, if, if we have had a genuine encounter with the Lord, Response is necessary. You can't, you can't not respond. So let's use this time to consider where we sense God's leadership and, and begin the process of, our, of committing ourselves to follow. Some of us that may be taking those first steps of faith and trusting Jesus. For others, those steps of faith will lead to commitment to be a part of, of this community of faith to be a part of God's work serving in this little corner of Cobb County. Some of us it's time knowing that God has spoken in the past that he's rattling our chains again letting us know that there's something new ahead and all he's asking is that we say, I'll be here at the front to pray with you if I can do that if we can this church we'll be glad to affirm you in your steps But know that we're called to follow those first steps. Let's stand again.